Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games in the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Lawrence and I'm joined by... I'm Dan, welcome to the podcast. Hello, welcome, bonjour and hello. That's what they say in German, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, guten Tag. Guten Tag, that's it. There we go, see? I'm multicultural, I know all the languages. How are you this week? Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, both having conversation before the podcast about how we're both having uh, rocky weeks, let's say that. Um, but yeah, things things will get better, and I'm sure spending some time discussing games is exactly what we need. It can only improve. Apologies, listener, if you can hear some screaming in the background. There is a small baby next door and seems very excited today. So, I can't hear anything, so that's got to be a good sign. There you go. But your mic might p- pick it up. Yes. So if you hear that, that's what that is. So this week we're going to be discussing a, um, a PS1 classic, really, is the best way I can describe it. We're going to be discussing Gran Turismo for the PS1. Now, Gran Turismo originally came out in 1997 and lands at number 30 on our top 100 list for Metacritic. It received an aggregate score of 96, so very respectable. I mean, landing at number 30, pretty impressive. Uh, It was developed by Polyphony Digital, and it was published by, I don't know how you pronounce this, if it's S-C-E-A or Skia. I think it's S-C-E-A. Yeah, so... As I said, this one was really... This is PlayStation royalty, really, Gran Turismo. It's been around since the very beginning of the console's life cycle, really. And it's... Whenever I think of a racing game for a game's console, I'll usually think of Gran Turismo. It's it's really up there with, um, you know, the the proper old-school retro classics of that generation of games. So... As usual, let's start with our history with the game or with the series. So do you want to talk a little bit about your experience or history with Gran Turismo 1 or any of the other Gran Turismo games? So my history with Gran Turismo 1 is going to be very short because I really have no history except maybe playing it around a friend's house many moons ago. Um, I remember playing another PS1 racing game, Toka Touring Cars. I remember I did that. not like that. I didn't like that. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really big into um, realistic driving sims. Same. Um, but I have played other Gran Turismo games. Um, I had three on the PS2 um, for a little while. Uh, that was the that was the time when you'd buy something, you play it for a little while, and then you'd sell it, and then you'd buy the next thing. That was what I did for the whole PS2 life cycle, and I probably went through hundreds. And hundreds of games for for the PS2. Um, probably my most notable Gran Turismo experience was when the PS3 came out. It was starving for games. There were so few games coming out. Maybe one game a month, a couple of games a month. Sounds familiar um, to the uh, the PS5's release. <laughs> oh, it's just next gen, isn't it? And um, this this was a time when 
you didn't necessarily have indie games to consolidate your collection. So I remember when especially not I was on PS3. Yeah, on the PS3, that the, the online took a good couple of years to come into force. And then it and yeah, I remember that as well. And so I would be keeping an avid eye on what was coming out. And I, I, I basically bought everything that came out on the PS3 in its early life cycle. And if you know anything about Gran Turismo on the PS3, you'll know that Gran Turismo 5 Prologue came out, which was not the um, not the full version. Um, it was basically a, a condensed version with fewer tracks, fewer vehicles, but it was at a cheaper price. And... I bought it, I thought, well, why not? I'll give it a go, see what it's like, see if it vibes with me. And actually, I really enjoyed it, really enjoyed Prologue. Um, I think the reduced car count and the reduced track count made it less intimidating to me. And also, it looked fantastic at the time. And obviously, hot off the heels of Gran Turismo Prologue, I bought Gran Turismo 5 when it came out. And I, I, don't, I just could not get into 5. I don't, know, I don't know what it was, but I couldn't get into the full game. So my best experience with Gran Turismo was Prologue and the appeal of it there for me was driving around these exotic, great looking tracks yeah. in these realistic cars that controlled really nicely. Um, also very glamorous cars and yeah, so I really enjoyed that, but not much history outside of that really. And I've not really picked up another one since because I just felt like if five doesn't do it for me i don't know what will but i will admit that um gt sport does look good and there's something about that that appeals to me but yeah that that's really about it um so how does your history compare very um stark in contrast from yours really because i don't really have much experience with the series i am um, i already own gran turismo one for the ps1 because i've got a few playstation one games dotted around the house um, and it's a game that I've played a fair bit in the past, but it wasn't a game that I really grew up with. If we're talking games like racing games that we grew up playing, I remember um, playing Ridge Racer, which is another kind of arcade classic that came out on the PlayStation. And I don't know if you call it a racing game, really, but Destruction Derby. And I've got very fond memories of playing that it's game. It's called a vehicular combat game, though that would be, I think. Yeah, kind of I like suppose so. It's not really series. a racing game, is it? There are racing elements to it, but it's more of a just physics-based crumple experiment. But <laughs> that was a brilliant game. But yeah, Gran Turismo, not too much experience with. The first one is the only one that I've ever played. With, with racing games, I often struggle to remain interested because... If the tracks don't change that much or you don't have much to play with in terms of cars, then I find them quite samey and I, I yeah. get quite bored of them quite quickly. Um, with the with the difference in that being uh, when I got my Xbox One X, I got Forza Horizon 4 with it. And Have you played that game? No, but it's a game that I do really want to play as um, I'm fond of its British setting. Being yes. from Britain. So Forza Horizon 4 is right up my street because one, it's based in the UK, 
Um, and there's actually a village slash town featured in um, Horizon 4, which isn't too far away from me, called um, Broadway in the Cotswolds. And as well as that, you also have a choice of all these cars to buy, which are cars that you could like, actually drive yourself in real life. It's not like souped up sports cars that you'd never be able to afford. You know, you can drive around in a BMW 3 Series or a, a Mercedes or a, a Golf, you know. And I'm not someone that's massively into my cars. I, Since I passed my test four years ago, because I was a late bloomer with driving, and now I probably drive about 900 miles a week for work, I, I quite appreciate a, a decent car. And I think with games like Forza, it's cemented in. It's like, oh, I really like playing around with these and seeing how they handle and looking at the interiors. But with games like Gran Turismo or with F1, Ugh, it's not really on F1. Yeah, it's it's not really on my vibe. However, with Gran Turismo, that isn't to say that all of the cars that are in that game are supercars that you know you you never get to own. They've got a load of really famous brands in there. You've got Nissans, you've got Mitsubishi's, Mazdas, Hondas, you know TVRs. Um, and if you can afford a TVR, fair play to you because they're very nice. Aston Martins. Um, but yeah, my experience with it is, as I usually say, always been very knowledgeable of the fact that this is kind of console royalty for Sony, but it's never really been a series that I've been that interested in myself. Um, as usual, we come on to the version that we played, but realistically, I think there's only one version that's available to yeah. us, which is the PlayStation 1, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only option you've got with this one is, I suppose... Which console you play the PS1 version on? Yes. I played on the PS3. Um, you could be playing on the PS2 or the PS1. Yeah. Um, or emulating the game, which I suppose would be interesting because I'm sure there are some nice mods out there for it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you played this on the PS3. I played it on my on my PlayStation 1. Um, I, whenever Old I get a chance to fire up the PS1, I do. because That's what I'm like with the N64. I love yeah. the excuse to turn uh, I think that... that comes both from our, our histories with the consoles because yeah. you grew up with the N64 and I grew up with the PS1 and there's just something very nostalgic about playing a game on those consoles for us I think Yeah. the one definitely. thing that does baffle me slightly is that the PS3 has obviously the, the PS1 classic store and that classic store has got a lot of you know really famous PS1 games on there that you can get and I've got a fair few on my PS3 from that generation but Gran Turismo isn't on there. I think I know why. Go on. I think it's the soundtrack. Uh, could be. Because it's got um, a licensed soundtrack. So one thing that surprised me playing it was that you had songs and vocals on there. And I thought, okay, I didn't really expect that. Um, usually you, you got this uh, smooth jazz playing in the background with Gran Turismo games. So I didn't expect this kind of... Um, slightly heavier soundtrack and i think it's the soundtrack that prevents it from being re-released because i think that's be. what it was could you do, you do you know i mean throwing you out into the into the ocean here with this and you might not know but do you know if this game was featured on the playstation classic that came out a couple of years ago the mini because i don't think oh, it was i'm not sure if it was either i don't know off the top of my head um but i know that people weren't very impressed with that list 
No, absolutely. Um, it may have been one of the big missing ones, actually. I've got a feeling it was. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I thought about getting that, but then realised it's pointless. Because if you, if you want to get um, a PlayStation 1 Classic, then you may as well just get an emulator and a Raspberry Pi and just load the games on there that you want to want to load on. As long as you already own them, though, because, you know, you don't want to be a thief. Very <laughs> important to point out. But yeah, it's it's PlayStation royalty, as I've said. So, really, this game has got two main features that are stand out. You've got the arcade mode, and then you've got Gran Turismo mode. Now, arcade is really if you just want to jump in and play. It's like, um, you know, throwing together a friendly match on FIFA. You're just going to play as two teams and play a match. Same with arcade mode on Gran Turismo. You're just going to do a race on one of the pre, um, pre-chosen pre tracks, choose your car, and go. It's for people that just want to jump in and out. Gran Turismo mode is really where this game takes off because you've just got so much there. and this, There's a lot about this game that I like, and particularly it's the menus. I don't know why, and I think it might be a nostalgic thing for me perhaps, but I don't know how you feel, but the menus really remind me of... Um, the late nineties, early noughties, kind of like the games that came out then, how simplistic they were and how kind of just work it out yourself kind of vibe there was. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. On the one hand, I find it a very nostalgic menu, but on the other hand, I find I find it an utterly cumbersome menu that's really annoying. To... Yeah. Um, just to confirm that Gran Turismo was not on the PlayStation Classic. Was it not? Um, you, I think you could if you hacked into it you could enable it but it wasn't it wasn't available on there from the beginning yeah that doesn't surprise me really it's i suppose again it's probably due to the soundtrack yeah probably i mean that's the only thing that makes sense isn't it that it's a game that sony owns so there must be a reason not to put it on playstation classic and yeah or re-release it and it, it or they think it's aged so badly that <laughs> they don't think people should be playing it in modern well, day no you look at some of the other games on that yeah console. it's true it's true um but yeah the gran turismo mode is basically the career mode and before you can kind of jump in with the different race classes and stuff you've got a few things that you have to do first the the whole feel of gran turismo mode is that you race to earn money to then buy more cars if you come first place you'll earn more money maybe earn a prize car and that's the way you progress through this game earning money buying cars getting better now one of the interesting quirks of this game is the fact that before you can drive in any of the series races you have to earn your license and i remember you saying that this did your head in a little bit didn't it yeah i think um I really like the concept of it and I think they did it better in later games which is this idea of you pick your car but to start out with it's almost like an RPG um, to start out with you've got this very basic car based on what you pick and then you have to run through licenses so you've got the, the B license, the A license and I think it's the A plus license or something like yeah. that um, and then once you start to get your licenses, you can start to enter um, tournaments. 
and then you start to make more money and you feed that money back into maybe a slightly better vehicle um so yeah that that's basically how it works and and the issue with the licenses is not even i mean it's it's not that easy to play in i think we've come a long way in terms of the controls for a driving game yeah um so it's one of those games where you if you even uh, if you even mess up slightly on a corner that's it you've you've lost the race well um an interesting point with the controls is i'm not too sure what year the dual shock 1 came out but it wouldn't surprise me if when this game came out cuz like i said this came out in 97 originally that we were still using the original playstation 1 controller that didn't have yeah, any analog I think, support i think that's the case i mean on the ps3 the, de- the default option is only directional buttons and you have to force analog through a menu um to play with analog so I turned on analog, um, but you really have to get used to the way that this game steers because you could end up going off the track, spinning out. Um, you've got to be careful of the other cars. But with with the licenses particularly, it's not a problem with the manoeuvres themselves. I thought they were quite doable, but they've got some very tight time limits. So um, I spent a good couple of hours getting the B license and the A license, and I thought I'm not even going to bother with the A plus license. Um, but I got the B license and the A license, so I tried a few tournaments. And w- one of my aims playing this game was I wanted to get the Aston Martin DB5. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I gave up because that costs a lot of money. And I thought, I'm going to have to weigh the amount of hours I'd have to sink into this game to get it. And what the reward would be. And I decided, well, it's just not worth it. Because the other thing is... You don't earn that much money from the races. No. And there is a very gradual progression. What I mean by that is if um, if your car is not fast enough to win a tournament, it's not fast enough to win a tournament, there's no amount of manoeuvring you're going to do to be able to win that race. Um, so you need to constantly be upgrading your car along the way to the Aston Martin DB5. And I can just imagine that countless hours would be spent getting that. And... Um, it's not we're not back in the 90s anymore where i mean as kids we had tens hundreds of hours to sink into things and you could just keep doing things until you got there um but i I don't have that time anymore so um i gave up on my journey in the end but yeah i i I really like the structure of it and and i think they did it better in later games um my issue was i suppose i think they refined the controls a lot over the years yeah I, I mean it's very obvious that this game is an early playstation game it's i think for the time and i was reading a few reviews um from when this game came out earlier today and there's not very many you can read now because a lot of the websites that they're on are no longer a thing uh, but i was reading the um the reviews on ign from um i think they reviewed it in 98 and a lot of what they were saying was this game feels very realistic and if you're playing this game with um, the steering wheel controller then it makes this game a lot more immersive and obviously you know we're looking back on this game you know over 20 years after it came yeah. out yeah and at the time apparently from reading what I was reading this game was incredibly realistic and one of the things that they implemented into Gran Turismo 
that I'm not sure if it had been implemented into previous games before the release of Gran Turismo, but was the replay um, section. And a lot yeah. of people couldn't quite get over the fact what they were watching via a replay on this game because they said it was just, it was mind blowing the fact that you could just replay any part of a race or anything that you've done and it will be there and it looks realistic and it kind of blew people's minds a little bit and it's it's the kind of small detail that you and me wouldn't really think about anymore because you've got replays in so many games you've got photo modes you've got you know share modes so you can immediately put your clips of footage on youtube but in 97 having a replay mode and seeing how you did certain corners or overtaking parts or doing some really cool moves in a race that you didn't want to miss. It must have been quite quite something, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I wanted to say I wanted to say this about the game. That there's a big caveat here in that that I didn't play this at the time. No. Um you you've got some experience with it. So this is one of the titles that really got to challenge myself to put my mind back into that place yeah. Um, yeah. back then because I just don't have the memories. I don't have the experience with the game. So to big fans of the game, what I'm saying isn't necessarily going to line up with what they think, which is fine. Um, I agree. I, I mean, what what I did was when I, when I was playing, I made, because I'd read about the, um, the replays as well. I think... I think other games had replays, but I think what made these ones impressive is um, the camera angles. They had the cinematic camera angles and obviously the realism of the cars. I mean, back then it was very impressive. And based on watching the replay this time, I think that um, the actual the amount of polygons per car on the replays seems to be more than the actual in-game, um, which sometimes games do so if you go into a photo mode nowadays what you might find is that the re resolutions increased or um that they use a higher resolution character model yeah. to make your photos better so i think it's the same kind of principle here but it definitely i mean I, this is not confirmed but to my eye it looked better in the replay mode than it did when you're actually playing it and now that could just be the camera angles the cinematic camera angles but it looks almost like a dreamcast game um and if you know anything about consoles, Dreamcast was really almost as powerful as, as the PS2. And that kind of in-between step between yeah, it was the a bit of a... PlayStation and the uh, Sega Saturn. and um... Yeah, it was, it was a between step, wasn't it, between the PS1 and the PS2, the, the Dreamcast? Yeah, they, it, it was clo much closer to the PS2 oh, in terms 100%. of power than the, than, the, uh, than the older consoles. But this game... Um, at times can look really quite impressive and that replay mode yeah was a big part of that um, and it, it, it's, it is impressive um, if you try to picture how that would be I read something this was quite interesting because <laughs> I, I was reading about this game when I was playing it and I, I read um, someone that was a big fan of Gran Turismo commenting saying how they would literally they would complete a race and they'd spend hours and hours watching these replays <laughs> And then they played it again recently and they questioned why they did that because obviously nowadays these replays don't look anywhere near as special or spectacular as they yeah. used to. Um, <laughs> but it was a different time and you've got to cast your mind back to that and it's, it's the same era where 
people on PlayStation were addicted to FMVs and people would, everyone I used to speak to would go on about FMVs. And as a Nintendo 64 owner, where only a handful of games had FMVs, I was desperate for FMVs on an N64 game. And I remember buying Resident Evil 2 on the N64 just to see the FMVs on it, even though it cost me between 50 and 100 pounds. Um, And it was quite special to to see an FMV run on an N64 because for a long time I didn't think it was possible. But it is possible. Terrifying. Kid Icarus, the YouTuber, I know you're not a huge fan of him, but I watch his stuff occasionally. He made a, a, a big point about it a few years ago that early PlayStation FMVs are frightening because yeah. they're just so off what real life looks like and he, he um he particularly brings up the early FMVs in Tenchu not Tenchu, uh, Tekken one and Tekken two. Yeah. And man, but I mean the, the things that we used to do, like that that person that used to just he sit used and to watch, watch the replays, replays. Raj, yeah. Like I I did similar stuff in games that I played a lot. We of all time. did, yeah. Not with replays and stuff, but I'd go back and replay the Moss Eisley level on Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace on the PS One because I thought there was just so much there and so much hidden stories and stuff that you could find, and there was a fair amount there. But looking back on it now, it's just like wow, like I spent a lot of time replaying that mission over and over again, and. I was one of those kids that, you know, Star Wars particularly, I watched episode four in New Hope probably about 30 times over and over and over again, probably more, because repetition didn't bother me, and it was how I remembered things. And I think you look back on some of these things now, like I look back on Star Wars The Phantom Menace on the PS1, and I'm like, wow, this game looks bad. Like, even up to the standard of where it was the year it came out compared to other games at that time it doesn't look great and it hasn't got very good reviews from when it came out but i love that game you know yeah that's the thing it's a very different time graphics weren't as good and i think part of what nostalgia is and what we used to fill in the blanks back then was our imagination yes so you've got the levels but you've also got the idea of the game in your head and you kind of um you're constantly that that's what nostalgia is isn't it um so we've talked about nostalgia on on the show before a lot um and and it's 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 such a it's such an interesting thing and it's kind of indefinable but i I think partly it is that it's it's the idea of something that we have in our head well this is and sometimes the game doesn't marry up to it and sometimes it does well this is why i think our episodes covering the zelda games are quite interesting because you i wouldn't say nostalgia but you've played all of the Zelda games and you, you hold them in relatively high regard. And as you said in our last Some episode, Majora's Mask is your favourite game ever. Yeah. And for me, I've not really played any Zelda games. So I come at them from a fresh perspective and you come at them as fresh as you can. But you also hold that experience with them. And it, it can be a double-edged sword, though, yeah. because there, there are... I mean, with the Zelda games, for example, there are some that I didn't enjoy as much yeah of course i mean i wasn't skyward sword yeah sky but there's more than i mean wind waker I'm, i i don't hold in that high regard some people adore that game um ocarina of time i think is very good i don't think it's the best zelda game um so there's certain games where i do i mean but that's just opinions isn't it um so there's certain games that i do really enjoy in the zelda series but there's almost some games that i'm even more critical of 
And I thought with our Ocarina of Time discussion, we were quite balanced with it because we were talking about what makes it good and where it falls short and uh, we were breaking down the mechanics of it. So uh, actually I think we're going to come across some games to come where I'm far more nostalgic than the, the ones that we've covered so far. Yeah, no, of course. It's a funny thing, nostalgia, and for games as old as this, you know, with with this one, really, you and me don't have too much experience with it. Uh, me slightly more than you, but I'd say minimal. So it's a bit different. But when we come up against the games like Majora's Mask, like Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VII, which obviously isn't in the top one, it's going to be list. really interesting. That one, I think so too. Um, but yeah, that's going to be a long way off because that's going to be one of our extra game well one of my extra yeah. games but yeah that should be an interesting one but anyway Bonus. back yes. back on to the topic at hand back on to racing car games as usual we have our topic of game players king now when we did last week's episode where we discussed persona 5 royal we said there's not too much you can say in terms of oh what's your favorite move to do or what's your favorite thing to do because there isn't that much choice, and I feel relatively similar to our discussion on Gran Turismo. There isn't too much that you can say, oh, my favourite move to do or my favourite thing to do on this game is this, because it's a racing game. It's not like you can <laughs> do a backflip or pull out a samurai sword in your car. It's race around a track and try and win. Um, but were there any, any, any elements of this game that stood out to you that you really enjoyed in terms of the gameplay i think after a little while you start to adjust to the steering mm. and i realized the best thing to do was to i mean initially you're using square to break around corners um but what i found was you can take your finger off the accelerator you won't slow down as much and you can kind of drift around corners um which is great when you're in the right car <laughs> but if you're in the wrong car it yeah, can go wrong a lot out. so that's quite satisfying when you when you when you kind of get to grips with it now on the other hand um i uh, i invested in a car this is when i stopped my pursuit my pursuit for the aston martin db5 um i invested in a car i spent like my my total winnings up to that point on a car and obviously I don't know if there are stats in this game for the cars, but I feel like it's a bit of potluck. You get the one that looks the nicest or the one with the, the, the biggest brand name. I'm sure there are stats going on, but um, if there were, I wouldn't know how to perceive them. They, yeah. they're, they're not straightforward things like speed or... Um, so So I bought this car thinking, okay, this looks all right. Um, I started racing with it and I realised it was really light. So all the steering that I'd gotten used to it just um, it kept spinning out, and then the thing with this game, if you spin out in a race, that's it. It's really hard to gain that ground again. It's done. You're, um, you're over. Yeah, and you just have to restart, and then with the loading times as well, it, it, that's what ground me down, and and I found that quite frustrating. So there is in the right car that satisfaction of steering, but I, I suppose I mean that's what makes it realistic. The steering adjusts with the car. Um, different cars have different weights and it's what games were often criticized for back in the day in that all the cars felt the same but here they don't um, but that can be sometimes detrimental to fun yeah well it, it's the same kind of thing that i find with um 
I don't know about um, the, the recent one, but with Mario Kart, actually no, with Mario Kart 8, um, depending what vehicle you drive will depend on how it handles. And yeah. I primarily, when I play Mario Kart 8, I've not played it for a long time, I always go for the standard motorbike because I find that one easiest to control and I know how to drift with it. But then you put me on a super bike or you put me in one of the carts that isn't the standard car, I'm going to struggle. And I think it all depends on what you start off with, what you practice with and where it goes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's mastery, isn't it? Mastering a certain yeah, thing. Yeah, that's it. Then it's really hard to shift over to something else once you've mastered that thing, isn't it? Yeah, precisely. I mean, in terms of the gameplay itself, like I said... There's, yeah, what, there's, what do you think? There's not too much that you can say with a racing game. It's like, oh, this is my favourite thing to do. I agree that when you're in the right vehicle, things like drifting and getting those controls really down is very, very satisfying because you feel like it's a skill. Um and I mean, you you played this on the DualShock Three, um, the PS3 controller. I played it on the original PlayStation controller, so I didn't have any analog sticks with it, and it made things like drifting a bit more difficult for me. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, but I, you know, I, I really like that controller, but I, I've got pretty big hands anyway. So trying <laughs> trying to wrap probably my fit two into your hands. What's that? You could probably fit two controllers into your yeah, hands. Yeah, exactly. Like. Trying to play, trying to play with that controller with my twenty-nine-year-old size. Although hands. to be fair, I find the PS3 controller is really small as well. Oh, it is hundred percent. When you compare it to the DualShock Four or the, um, it's tiny, yeah. Oh, and I, I mean, I've got, I've got wide hands, but small hands. So. Well, yeah, that's it. You, you compare it to the DualShock Four, or uh, I think it's called the DualSense, isn't it? The PS5 controller. Yeah, it's it's a million miles away from the PS3. Um, but I'd say when you really get the controls down and when you know how a car's going to move, that that's satisfying. And I enjoyed that about this game. Um, speaking about the controls and kind of the moves that you make around the courses, I might be um, I might be putting you on the spot here. But did you or do you happen to know the name of any favourite tracks that you had with this? Absolutely not. This is my biggest criticism of the game. Right, the tracks. <laughs> it, yeah, uh, one of the things that I really liked about Gran Turismo Prologue was the very impressive international tracks that you got. Yeah. But here, every single track, I mean, apart from the layout, obviously, you're going to remember the course that's... Yeah, I mean, uh, apart from the track that's got a loop or it's got a certain lineup of corners... They feel the same. The backdrops, yeah, the backdrops just felt very, very similar to me. Um, and I, I feel like that's a technological limitation i feel like the cars hold up reasonably well but i think the tracks just are nothing to me maybe, maybe it was um, a case of they had to focus on either the car list or the track list and they decided to go with the cars because those are the more recognizable thing that's more attractive to gamers that enjoy driving yeah and i think they, they made strides with the with the tracks to me if, I mean, I've played a fair few car games over the years. I wouldn't say I'm the biggest car fan, but I'd say that I'm more fond of car games than you. Um, yeah. And for me, when I'm playing, I mean, one of one of the most in, more enjoyable games that I played recently was, um, I can't even remember what it's called. The one where you're um, you you've got a miniaturized version of America, and oh, you can well, basically drive. Yeah. What's what's it called? It's on. It's on. Um, it's on 
It's on PS4 as well. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I know the game you're talking about. I, I can't remember. Is it called the, the Club? No, it's not the Club. Something like that. Yeah. It's, um, I, know, I know the game you're referring to. It's a Ubisoft game. That's gonna yeah. annoy me. And there's there was a there was a sequel as well where you could um, ride bikes and go on boats and so on. It it will come back to me at some point. But yeah, that, to me the the tracks are the most enjoyable thing. Um, Part of the appeal of it is driving around these exotic tracks, which is why Forza Horizon 4 has always appealed to me because driving around the British Isles is something that I want to do. Um, yeah, so here, I mean, I'd, maybe you've got a different opinion to me, but I, there was just nothing here that I found memorable or nice to look at. Or <laughs> No, I know what you mean. The game that you're thinking of, I think, is called The Crew. The crew, that's it. The crew and the crew too. Yeah, that's, that's the one. Um, no, I mean to be fair, there were a few tracks that I enjoyed, but because they weren't really stand out, I had to look at the names of them because they weren't memorable. I mean, the, the track that I enjoyed the most was the Grand Valley Speedway, which has got a lot of areas where it's just solid driving, but then there are a few areas with corners, and I thought that was quite well, well mixed. But I think this is the limitation of its time of the release of the game and the console that it came out with. This was the first in its series. So you can allow the the lack of, you know, imaginative tracks or whatever. But no, I do agree with you. It did leave a lot to be desired, I think. Um but yeah, there, there were there are a few tracks in there that I really enjoyed, but there was nothing that I'd say, yep, yeah, I could name that one, that one, that one, and that one, and I thought they were great, you know? Yeah. Completely. So the question of the week then is as follows. Gran Turismo is obviously still huge and I think it's GT is it GT Sport that's coming out soon? It's come out. GT Sport's been out for over a year now, maybe a couple of years. Is there another one on the horizon, I think? Maybe. Um not that I know of. Okay, but so maybe GT Sport's in, the most recent the then. And obviously, this is still an incredibly successful series because it's gone on for over seven games now, really. Why do you think that is? And in terms of racing games, you, you and me, we're not the, the demographic for racing games. But what do you think makes people want to keep going back to games like Gran Turismo, like F1, and maybe games like Forza? Uh, well, actually, I think... Um... I don't think Gran Turismo is as popular as it once was. No. I think I think um from my perspective things like Forza have almost become more popular. Um I think what's affected the Gran Turismo series is massive weights between games and I know that there was a lot of criticism um about 5 and 6 that they were still using some of the old models from Gran Turismo 4. So yes, it has the largest library of cars in any game, but they're still using the models from Gran Turismo 4, which was actually a late PS2 game. Right. Um, so I think this is why I said that Gran Turismo Sport, GT Sport, uh, appeals to me because I think actually after 6... Well, they I think they got a completely new engine... And, yeah, it was a bit more focused, less cars, some really stunning tracks in there, really nice to look at. Um, 
so to me that's the one that's appealed to me most but yeah i'm i'm fairly sure that the sales have also uh reduced since gran turismo on the ps1 and i know that also the review scores have reduced as well yeah so so i would say i wouldn't be surprised now if generally speaking more people have played forza than gt sport that wouldn't shock me but i i I suppose the, the, the question being then is where do you think that racing games will go from here do you think there's much scope for them to grow or do you think it's more of same old every other year a few new cars being added in and a few new different tracks like where do you think racing games can go well i think other than kind of becoming games like wipeout i think um the thing with racing games is there's always going to be that that player base that looks for them yes. that is interested in them so you don't need to have a breath of the wild racing game that reinvents the wheel um i think it does benefit having a new engine like gt sport and having um nicer looking tracks nicer looking cars and i think every now and then they refine the realism so i think racing games for a very very long time have been on the cutting edge of graphics it was always the racing games that looked kind of ahead of everything else the reason being you don't have to animate people you have to do cars reflections on the cars but yeah and, and it's very different from animating a face which has all these different muscles which is really really hard to emulate which i think only recently have they they kind of got down um whereas car games have looked great for years i mean you go back to the old ps3 gran turismo's they look nice um so i think there will always be that audience that that buys these games and i think i don't see anything coming along and changing the way that racing games are because a racing game's goal is not to a racing games game's goal is to emulate real life isn't it and yeah. to kind of give you this this outlet for driving these cars that you couldn't possibly drive, um, driving around these tracks that you couldn't possibly drive around, and it's kind of a wish fulfillment. So that's the goal, and every game, I suppose, edges closer to that goal. And I think the thing is they're never going to reach that goal, which is fine, but they're always going to edge closer and closer and closer to it. So I just think that's the path that racing games have always taken and will always take. And it works because if you play a racing game in 2021 or 2020 and you go back and you play Gran Turismo, you can see the leaps and bounds they've come on. Um, So although it doesn't look like a major jump, actually within that 20 years, we've come a fair distance. Um, That may sound contradictory, I don't know. No, I, I I get what you're saying. It's one of those games that it's always going to grow, but it doesn't need to reinvent the wheel, really. Yeah. No, that makes I sense. suppose the fundamentals of Gran Turismo 1 are still there, even in today's racing games, but they've just been massively polished and refined to the point where it doesn't, almost doesn't resemble it anymore. Yeah, it, it's, it's a different kind of animal, isn't it? Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Okay. So... 
as we said at the start of the podcast then, Gran Turismo, released in 1997, score of 96 on Metacritic, comes in at number 30 on our list. So it's pretty high up there, to be honest with you. You know, we're, we're well into the, the first half of the list. So I suppose, what are your final thoughts? Do you think the critics got this right or... You know what, what? 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 What's your opinion on it? I suppose after discussing. Before I answer, can I? Can I ask, out of curiosity, what what you would say first? Because I'm. I suppose I'm still processing. I kind of know what I'm going to say, but I want to see what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, I I give a similar answer to this game as I did to Ocarina of Time. That I think, and bear in mind, this game came out a year before Ocarina of Time, so they released around the same time. Around this time in game releases, a lot of strides were being made and a lot of groundwork was being made as to what um, you know these genres would be. And I think a lot of work went into this game big time with the cars that they managed to get the licenses for. For the I think it took years and years to make. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a huge accomplishment and it's really the foundation for every other racing game. Not every other racing game, but a lot of other racing games that have come from it. You know, a lot has been taken from the groundwork that I think put in. The creators of Diddy Kong Racing said that they were inspired by <laughs> Gran Turismo. You can see the similarities, absolutely. <laughs> but I think, for me, this game does deserve a place in this list. It doesn't deserve to be as high as it is, but it has to be respected for what it did. And it's exactly the same answer that we gave for the Ocarina of Time discussion. That this isn't one of the best games ever, but it is one of the most important games ever because of what it did to grow the genre, to show the way to other racing games, and to basically be the, I suppose, the shepherd of racing games on console, if that makes sense. So it deserves to be on here somewhere. But, you know, definitely not number 30. It's important. It's an important, you know, entry on here, I think. I'm going to come at this from a bit of a different angle to you. That always makes it more um, interesting. So I, I think we were talking about this before, before obviously, the episode. And I think, although I do, I do agree, for racing games, this game was instrumental. And I think that's what you're saying. But I feel like Ocarina of Time was instrumental to more than just adventure games yeah it was instrumental to any game that had a third person camera and that wanted to know how to use targeting so on so on so on um but the point i would make here and this is the angle that i want to that was just um i suppose a response but the angle that i want to come at this from is on this list of 100 games we've got i believe four racing games we've got gran turismo one Gran Turismo 2, Gran Turismo 3, and Burnout 3, Takedown. Which we've already covered. Which we've already covered. Um, So the way I want to look at this is, is this deserving of being one of the greatest games, racing games, out of all the other racing games, are these the four games that should be here in this list? Um, three Gran Turismo's, and I mean I, I I'm I'm not really arguing Burnout Takedown because it's a completely different beast, but three Gran Turismo's, and are we saying that these three Gran Turismo's are better than every other game out there? Um, that's where I suppose I'm coming from a different angle. I think 
I would rather have some other games on there that from the racing genre that um, I think would be more interesting. Um, I mean, there's there's plenty out there, plenty of prestigious racing games. You got, I mean, you go back far enough. You've got Project Gotham. um, You've got, as we've mentioned a few times, the Forza series. Then you've got other things like, um, I mean, there's more recent things like Drive Club. You've got Grid. Um, So there are plenty of choices there. And I suppose for variety's sake, I would um, maybe say that I would rather play other games than this. So I'm going to say boldly and probably to lots of people's annoyance, no. That's fair enough. That's how you feel. And I think I think it makes things more interesting when we don't precisely line up with each other's thoughts in regards to these games. Because a lot of these games we do agree on and a lot of the opinions we somewhat share. I think it'll come to, you know, we'll come to some more disagreements as the list goes on with games like Uncharted or, you know, a few other things that stand out for us. But, I mean, that's the reason we do this podcast, to kind of see where we think, in our own opinions, yeah. these games lie. And you and me have a lot, of this, a lot of similar opinions, I think, because you and me are relatively similar people. But we've got similar tastes. I'd say that we've got a, a subsection that we really cross over on. Then I'd say there's also probably a, a fairly decent sized subsection that we, we, we differ with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I suppose for me, again, as, as I mentioned, the, the caveat was that I'd never played this at the time. I have zero nostalgia for this. And I didn't really enjoy playing it that much. And I, when I was playing it, I was I was wishing i was playing something else yeah so that's where my answer came from no it it makes sense i mean a lot a a lot of the games that we play on this podcast you know that they're not always the greatest games ever which surprising seeing as we're talking about the top 100 games of all time but there's always times where we'll be playing something and we'll want to be playing something else you said that in our last episode um when we were discussing Minecraft, you said you, oh, yeah. you, you wanted to be playing Persona 5 Royal when we were playing that. Yeah. And I felt like that through this game as well because I was going through my second playthrough of Persona. I wanted to do it. I wanted to finish it. And I think there's always going to be games that we'd rather play. And this isn't a game that I'd probably ever be like, oh, you know what I really fancy today? Yeah. I really fancy some Gran Turismo 1. And that's and if the... you did have that thought, it may not last that long. No, and that's not. I think with of... this game, it is. I mean, I think there's a there's there's a like you said, and I and I and I partially agree with your argument. I think there's a very valid reason to put this game on the list. My I suppose my argument with this game is that it's not aged tremendously well. No, and I mean it isn't even because of the age of the game because Metal Gear Solid came out a year after this game, and I'd happily go back and play that game often. You know. It's, I think it's because of the kind of genre it is and the, the kind of games that we're interested in. Gran Turismo isn't a game for us, and that's fine. I I quite enjoyed going back to it and getting more of a feel for the series and where it came from and also early PlayStation games because I'm always interested in early PlayStation stuff. But as I always say when we do games that come in a series on this list, whether that's Zelda, whether that's Metal Gear Solid, whether that's anything else, Last of Us Part 1 and Part 2... It'll be interesting to see where we stand with this game once we've covered the other two games in the series that are on this list, you know? 
Yeah. And I'm I'm intrigued to see where Gran Turismo 2 also released on the PlayStation takes things. If it if it is a really big development on the first game, yeah, or if it's just again a refinement. Whereas I know that Gran Turismo 3 was quite a big leap for the series. Yeah, it's a different thing entirely, isn't it? So yeah, so yeah, that that covers Gran Turismo. I think quite in depth more, more more so than i thought even it's always the episodes where we think ah, oh, we're not gonna have much to say that we always talk quite a bit about it <laughs> um so yeah that, that covers gran turismo overall interesting time with it um but yeah so it's your choice of game next time so would you like to reveal what we shall be playing yeah we're going for something completely different for all you sci-fi lovers which is um bioshock the original Bioshock. Um, yes, I won't say anything else. You're going to have to wait for the episode. It should be a good episode because it's a game that I know you've got a lot of time for. You you very much enjoy Bioshock, but it's a game that I've never played. I've played Infinite, but I've never played Bioshock 1. And sadly, I know about all of the, the twists because... I'm a human being that hasn't been living under a rock since 2009, but I think it would be a good episode because I'm I'm quite looking forward to getting stuck into it. It's um it's one of those games that I've always been told is something a little bit special. So yeah, yes, I agree. So in the meantime, I concur. Yeah, in the meantime, if you would like to get in touch with us, or you'd like to follow us, or subscribe to us, or send us a like or a can you still poke people on Facebook? Can you send sheeps at them? Can you can you play Farmville with them? <laughs> I'm sure you can still play Farmville. I hope so. What a game! That game's never gonna die. <laughs> but yeah, if <laughs> if that should be on the top 100, it should be. You know what? Why that game isn't number one? I'm I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> I'm absolutely flummoxed. If you want to get in touch with us, as usual, you can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. You can email us at the long and short of it podcast at hotmail.com. You can write us a letter. Send us a digital sheep. You can't you can't do either of those things, unfortunately. You can send us a physical sheep if you, you want. You can send us a sheep. But yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, please don't hesitate to. We always like hearing off our listeners and getting your thoughts on the games that we're covering or even join us on playing the next game and see how your opinions line up with ours. But as usual, we thank you very much for listening. It's a pleasure as it always is. And we will see you next time for Bioshock. Anything else for you? No, that's it. See you on the next one. Very good. See you on the next one and stay safe. Cheerio.